first Sunday of Lent, we get the Devil's Playbook. What are the three things we're told to watch out for? The world, the flesh, and the devil. We're going to get into a couple other things as well, but let's start there. Here's Jesus in the desert. He's been there 40 days and 40 nights fasting. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's tired. He's been out there alone. This has to be a vulnerable point in his human nature. That's why we always say, you've heard this from me before, the acronym HALT. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, beware the prowling lion. Because it's in those situations that we are very weak and vulnerable. We must be on our guard. But the devil comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, so either the devil isn't sure, or he's trying to provoke our Lord. Because our Lord, has, he's hungry, he's probably lonely, and he's tired, but he isn't angry. The devil might have been trying to tempt him into the fourth element to make him even more vulnerable. Might have been. But our Lord, in his typical way, shrugs him off and says, you got it all wrong. It's not about food and drink. It's not about the flesh. It's about the will of God. Every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. So he's turning around the temptation of the devil saying no to the flesh and saying yes to the will of God. Then we move on. Again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. You'll be all right. And Jesus again turns it around. What's happening here? It's also a warning to you and I to not converse with the devil. What is this temptation but one of presumption, of placing oneself in the place of God, of trying to tempt God, trying to force God's hand? In essence, when he does this to you and me, who are not God, he's trying to make us commit the very sin the devil committed, to try to become the most high. And Jesus, using the word of God, refutes the devil's argument. So the devil is getting frustrated and decides to go the ultimate way, all the way. Shows him all the, all the greatness and the beauty of the world and says, all this will be yours if you but worship me. So here we have the world and the devil. It's pretty hard to separate those two, especially in modern times. But it was just as true back then. And besides, ultimately, all things belong to God anyway. They weren't the devils to even give him. Not long term anyway. And Jesus then puts his foot down. Quoting scripture yet again, it says, you shall worship the Lord God and him alone. 
get the, the you know get out of here, Satan. Vade. It doesn't say vade retro satana, which is the, the, the way that's used in exorcism prayers. But it's, it's get out of here. Basically, you know, there are times where I'll use my own paraphrase when there's times of temptation or whatever. And I'm just kind of really grumpy that day. I'll just, instead of doing what I normally do, you know, vade retro satana, I'll say, oh, why don't you just take a long walk off a short pier? <laughs> That's what our Lord is doing right here. He's saying, enough of your nonsense. Get out of here. Quit, quit wasting my time. Again, our Lord has shown us how to defeat these things with humility, with scripture, with wisdom. But the most important part here is he didn't continue to engage in discussion. He didn't dialogue with the devil. He didn't accompany the devil. He didn't do those Bergolian things. He confronted evil directly. Very gently, but directly. One may never compromise or talk, converse with evil. What is rule number one that the exorcist learns? Never engage in idle discussion with the devil. Why is that? Because the devil is far smarter than you would be. As uh, one of my friends used to say, and I stole it from him, never argue with an idiot. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. <laughs> the devil will do that to you. Even though he's far smarter he will twist things. He will have your head going in circles. You won't know which way is up. He's a master manipulator and liar. That's why our Lord called him the liar and murderer from the beginning. And he's been around since, <laughs> since time began. He knows human nature, every aspect of it, from study observation, failures and successes and temptation. He knows what makes us tick. He's a master strategist. We must never take him lightly. And I know from personal experience, you never engage in conversation. Because you will be kind of like, what in the world is going on? And then once you catch on to what's really happening, and you stomp, you stomp it out, the devil flees. He takes off, just like he did here. Jesus says, enough of you, get out of here. He takes off. We know he comes back later. He always does. But the devil is like a bully. You punch him in the nose, he's going to take off for a while. But the important thing is to never engage in conversation with evil, be it spiritual evil or physical evil. There is no room for dialogue when it comes to evil. What is our number one responsibility when faced with evil? Fight it. Not compromise with it. 
not try to understand, not to accompany, or anything else. It is to vanquish it. Plain and simple. Because evil will seek equality until it gets the upper hand, and then it will crush you. You've heard me use the old cliche, you know, you give the devil a ride, he'll end up driving the car. That's true. Because what he wants is to slowly diminish your faith. Slowly diminish all that reliance upon God. Look at everything he was doing to our Lord. Trying to turn him didn't try to turn him in a big way at the beginning. He never really comes at you with something directly evil at first. Not usually. You know, he's like, hey, hey man, you're hungry. Why don't you, you got the power? Why don't you just turn that rock into a, that rock into some bread? Take care of yourself, man. Don't you care about your health? Kind of like certain bishops. Let's forget about the bread of life and take care of our health. And our Lord says, no, wrong, and shows the right way. Again, each temptation, our Lord says, no, and shows us the right way. And the devil keeps trying. So when he's knocking at your door, when he's prowling like that roaring lion seeking someone to devour, as it says, resist him solid in your faith. Because he wants to destroy your faith, your trust in God, and move you slowly, inch by inch, away from him. He's not going to come at you, like I said, with horrible things right off. But it's a slow drift. There's an old bit of Cajun wisdom I learned years ago in Louisiana. Story about old man Boudreau and his wife of 50 years, Marie. They were driving up from, the, from Creole to the big city of Lake Charles. And they're coming up to the one stop sign. And there's another old beat-up pickup truck, just like theirs ahead of them, with a young couple. And they're seated right next to each other. And Marie, she had a bit of a temper. She was starting to yell at Boudreaux, because, you know, why don't we do that anymore? And Boudreaux, being the kind, gentle soul he was, he just started laughing. As they drive on, and Marie's on her side, he's on his. And he's, the more he laughs, the more she yells, which makes him laugh all the more. Until <laughs> he has to pull off a little bit, because there's not much room to pull off with the, the ditches on both sides. But if he doesn't stop, he's going to end up in the ditches with the alligators. And finally, Marie says, Boudreaux, you old fool, what in blazes so daggum funny? And he goes, oh, Marie, my beautiful bride of 50 years. Don't you see? I'm in the same spot. I haven't moved anywhere. Hmm. That's <coughs> what the devil wants to do. Is the Lord stays in the same spot. But we slowly move further and further away from him. But our, our God is so good to us, so generous, that he gives us this season of Lent where he can look over at us and go, 
Why are you all the way over there? Come back to me. Come back. And it gives us the grace and the opportunity to do so. To do that, remember the message of our Lord. Say no to the devil. Say no to the world and the flesh. Say yes to the will of God. Say yes to faith. Say yes to humility and to penance. For as it says so eloquently in so many prayers of the church, sin arouses the wrath of God. Penance subdues his wrath. And boy, we are facing wrath of God situations in the world for the last couple of years, and we're still not taking him seriously. And things are just getting started. Make this Lent one of true prayer, fasting, and penance. Not only for, this, for our own souls, but for the souls of others. For the reparation of sins. For the conversion, for the conversion of the hierarchy. That the Pope will finally consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. The penance we do may have effects we can't even imagine. And if nothing else, make this the best Lent you've ever had, so this will be the best Easter you've ever had. The way things are going, it may be our last. We just don't know. Cling to faith, hope, and charity. Cling to the Word of God. And when that dirty, rotten scoundrel comes trolling around. Remember the words of our Lord. Vade Satan. Get out of here.